0: Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages, that we will all grow in our understanding of God's word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others and grow faith, ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, Let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today.
1: I just wanted to um, let you guys think about and pray about topics that you might want Pastor Rick and I to um, share about or teach on or explore. Make sure you get those to myself um, so that uh, we can um, put that together for you guys. Um, We've been doing this now for a few years. This is and the 38th one. Is it really? Yeah. That's three years. Um, so if there are some of those topics that you want to see explored, just make sure we get those. Um, Pastor Rick, as you know, when we start out, he will do a teaching on, on something. And then I do a lot of the, um, you know, what's going on now. Um, and so it's, that's important that we're hearing what you guys would like need to hear and uh, how we can respond to that so just want to throw that out there before we get started
0: good all righty welcome to the future today prophecy meeting if you have your Bible turn to Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 there has been an exciting moving of the Holy Spirit going on in, in recent weeks the the if you, if you haven't heard about it the the series chosen I encourage you to to check that out. That's, uh, that's been pretty cool. What's that? I don't think you're on. I'm not on? Oh, I might not be. You're right. You're right. I'm not on. I'm feeling on. <laughs> you're on the podium. Now I'm on. There I am. So those of you online, sorry about that. Um, so we've seen this this moving of the Holy Spirit going on, uh, the series "Chosen," and then the Asbury revival, and then most recently the success um, of the the Jesus Revolution movie, um, far exceeding what the you know the experts were predicting it was going to do, and so um, even um, um, challenging some of the. Uh, you know, superhero um, shows. You know, for us, that makes sense because Jesus is the greatest superhero that's ever lived. So uh, so we, we get that. To the outside observer, though, um, it, it might not seem like much, but for us, we need to acknowledge and we need to recognize, we need to see it as possibly, potentially, uh, as the spark that really could set the whole world on fire for Jesus. And we need to, we need to have this idea, this, this image in our mind uh, that God could do something. You know, the question I'm going to address today is, you know, should we expect revival in the end times, in the last day? Should we expect to see a revival, you know, a big movement of this Holy Spirit for God, for Christ, um, to, you know, to, to proclaim his name in the world today or in the future? And, and the simple answer is yes, we should. We should expect it. And that's the, the main word I wanted to put forward was the idea of expectation, that, that we're, there should be an expectation that God is going to do something even as we look at a world that is Dark is broken, is racing toward um, just destruction. Yes, God is going to do something. And historically, if you study revivals, which some people do, you go to Bible college, you can study revivals, you know, they happen on a fairly regular basis. And and they they almost can predict, not predict them, but, you know, there's a, a gap of time. They say, like, about every 50 years, there is a revival in the world. And if we think about it, we look at it, the last really significant one was about 50 years ago. And so, you know, that we, we, may, be, we may be due for a revival. But the thing that, again, we, we need to recognize is that, that revival is something we should expect, not just want, not just hope for, we should expect revival, and we're going to look at um, Acts chapter 2 here at the first revival. And we don't often think about it this way, but the very first revival took place in Acts chapter 2. The first revival after Jesus went back to heaven because there was something of revival when he was there too. So, but we're talking about the ones after he went back to heaven. This, this Acts chapter 2 gives us an account. And it, and it occurred or began as the disciples were gathered and in a, a spiritual um, uh, in attitude. The Holy Spirit chose that moment to fall upon the disciples and to imbue them with supernatural, miraculous gifts. That was one of the signs, one, It is always one of the signs, of a true revival, as the Holy Spirit's moving, not just moving in the hearts of people, but He's moving through them, and radical things are happening. The word radical, you're going to hear it a lot today. The <laughs> radical thing, I like that word. You hear it from me all the time, you know, because Jesus is radical. We ought to know that. And so, and so you, know, he, you know, the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples as they gathered in that room, and, and moved among them in a powerful way. And these spiritual, miraculous, supernatural gifts were, were given to them. And it took place at a very interesting time. It was in the city of Jerusalem on or, or around the feast of Pentecost. And, and so, so the city of Jerusalem was packed with people that we're there to celebrate this religious festival. I think that's really key to understand this. And as, and as, as the Holy Spirit falls, you know, the, these ra- this radical thing is happening in these disciples. Well, there's a, you know, the, the crowds start gathering. What's, what is going on here? And uh, we see that. You know, we saw that at Asbury. You know, there's a radical thing going on. What happened? Whoop, crowds came. You know, lots and thousands upon thousands of people start gathering around. Same thing's happening here in Jerusalem. And, and Peter was then led by the Holy Spirit to talk to them about it. And, and, and he was calling them ultimately to a decision of faith, which included a repenting of their sins. And included in the message is this, in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2, he says this: "And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall." prophesy goes on to talk about some other things as well but the idea is that 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 what Peter was saying is this event this thing that's going on this radical work this this miraculous work that's going on here is a fulfillment of prophecy the question we need to ask ourselves is it was Is that the only time that was going to happen? Well, we know the answer to that is no, because it's happened lots of times after that. Not the same way, not in the same place, not the same circumstances, but God poured out his spirit upon men and women throughout history, throughout the last 2,000 years, and revival has taken place a lot of similarities between revivals. There's a moving of the Holy Spirit, there's a repenting of sins, there's this, this idea this, the you know, the radical gifts being expressed, all that. You know, a lot of similarities, but there, you, you can't you can't create a recipe for revival. It just it happens when it happens because God decides when and how and where and with whom that, that revival is going to take place. And so, in chapter 17, he says, in the last days. And so, so, Peter is saying that within a few weeks after Jesus has ascended to heaven. You know, that the, the last days, when did the last days begin? Well, the last days began when Jesus ascended to heaven. And when will they end? When he gets here. So, so everything in between when he ascended to when he comes back it are the last days. And every day that we wake up is one day closer to the second coming. There's fewer last days of the last days are left the longer we get. And we, we're living in a time where it could be at any moment. You could come back at any time and we need to recognize that. So we are living in the last days. It's one of those realities that we need to, we need to wrestle with because how do we, what do we do with that? Okay, if these are truly the last days, if Jesus could come back at any moment, what do we do with that? How do we live under, with under, that understanding? And, and Peter actually talked about that. But what Peter was saying in this is that we're living in the fulfillment of, of in, ultimately in several Old Testament prophets, and, and the Holy Spirit As as he was being poured out, as he poured out his his power upon the disciples, there was a natural uh, or a supernatural response, an outflow from them. And that's true of every revival. The Holy Spirit pours himself into some, but it doesn't stay in them. It it, it always overflows into those around. That's one of the ways you can tell when a, a true revival is taking place is it's not centered around A a single group of people, a a small group of people. It always pours out and spreads to others. And this particular revival, as it was being poured out, um, it, it, over a century, spread to the whole known world. And again, it's another sign of a revival. So for the last two millennia, the Holy Spirit periodically pours himself out into a group of people and revival breaks out. And, and again, there is no way of, 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 you know, diagnosing it and saying, okay, here, let's create a formula for revival. Now people hold revival meetings. They, you know, put up big tents and all these different things. And I think in a a human effort to try to spark revival, um, I, I don't, I don't care for the term revival meeting. Um, it, it, it's a little bit of a misnomer, uh, but I get it. So I'm not going to argue with them about it. Um, okay. Kelly's sending me text. Sorry. It is up there, Kelly. Oh, I can't, she's not hearing me. She can't hear me. Uh, somebody sent Kelly a text and tell her it is online. Um, please. Thank you. Um, Shiny thing, I have no idea. So the Holy Spirit comes. Revival. Revival, <laughs> revival. thank you. We're talking about revival. Woohoo! Be revived. <laughs> and so so for two millennia, periodically the Holy Spirit pours himself out and revival breaks out. And it is a sovereign work of God's grace. And, and we need to understand that because we'll have people that'll ask questions. why isn't there revival taking place? And, and, and I think there are some things, we, and I'm gonna talk about some things that might stand in the way of that, but we, we've got to at least acknowledge and recognize that a, a true revival is not a work of man. It, it cannot be a work of man. If man is driving it, then it, it cannot be a real revival. It, it must be a work of God. And so, so that is one of the key things. Uh, you know, men or the church cannot. Sorry, but she's asking, is it on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, I'm looking right at it. Yeah. Okay. It is there. I'm looking at me talking right now. <coughs> See right there? See, I'm talking right there. Yes. <coughs> <laughs> <sighs> So the church cannot make revival happen, but it can prepare itself, and, and we as individuals can prepare ourselves for revival. And so that's what we ought to do. We ought to be prepared for a work of the Holy Spirit to work in us. We ought to, we ought to be, even as I shared in the earlier message, uh, this idea of getting ourselves ready and being open to the working of the Holy Spirit, uh, that, you know, that, you know, the David at one point said, revive me, O Lord. And I think that should be our prayer. Lord, revive me. Let, you know, let that revival start in me, in my heart. Whether the Holy Spirit pours himself out and, and does something bigger than that, that's his, that's his domain. You know, we don't determine when and where the, the Holy Spirit decides to do anything, right? Because he is whom? Say God out loud. God. <laughs> Jane, <laughs> we don't decide what God does, but, but we do believe God wants to do revival, and if he does, you know, we should want him to start in us, not in our church. I, you know, if God wants to do revival in our church, that's up to him, but he's got to start in me first. I need him to start in me because I want to be revived I want to experience revival. I want to experience the moving of the Holy Spirit in me. Um, why? Not because of me, not for me, but for his glory and for the expression of his will and power and, and grace and mercy and all those things that can come out of God working in me and through me. So that's what revival is. It re- it's about, it's, you know, revival is, you know, we think about it, the word, the word means to bring back to life. And we can look at the church today and say, uh, what's wrong with the church today? What does the church need? Revival. You know, we, we'd like to see the world revived. We'd like to see the world saved, but we've got to start in the church. And then for it to start in the church, it's got to start in me. Not me individually, but individuals in the church. So the first step to revival is to believe that God still does mir- miraculous things. We have to believe that God can do a revival, that God can bring revival into a group of people, into, in, into even one heart. Unbelief can hinder the work of God. We see that in, in uh, Matthew 13 when Jesus was hindered by unbelief. Matthew 13:57 and 58. So they were offended at him as Jesus told them the truth. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Gosh, that's one of the saddest things I've ever read. You know, that God wanted, Jesus wanted to do all these radical things, hear miracles of healing and deliverance and all these things, but they just wouldn't believe him. And I, I, think, I think that's one of the things that stands in the way is people are, are hindering the work of God through unbelief. And as a church, we ought to believe, right? Would that, does that make sense that we ought to believe that God can do miraculous things? Now, there are some churches that don't believe that. They don't believe that God does miracles. You know, the, the, the kind of miracles that we see described here, that, that he does healings, that he's still doing healings and, and deliverances and all the different things that the Bible shows regularly that he does. You know, that can, if he did them then, can he do them today? And the answer is yes. Will he do them today? I think he will if, it, if, you know, if all the you know, circumstances are Right you know, his will, his sovereign will, anything can happen. If we desire revival, which we should, right? Then our first step is to believe that God can bring revival, that God can stir up one heart, a group of hearts, a church, a community, whatever it might be, he can stir them up and that revival can take place. We must believe that. Second, All true revivals have the truth of God's Word as their foundation. That God's Word, God's truths must be the foundation for it. If God's Word isn't the foundation for it, there may be a stirring going on, but it cannot last. It won't last. Because because only that which is built upon the foundation of God's Word can last. And so that's important. In Peter's message on the day of Pentecost he told them what God's Word said. He was just basically preaching, you know, God's Word. God's Word rightly preached and understood and believed will have a dramatic effect on those who hear it. That's why we, as a, as a, as a standard practice, teach the Word. We teach right straight through the Word of God. We see it had an effect on Peter's audience in verse 37 says, uh, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We, you know, we had to pause and remind ourselves, who are these people that Peter is talking to? They are religious Jews. They had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. It was one of, the major, one of the three major feasts that, that men would go to. They'd travel hundreds of miles to come to this place and to practice this religious festival. And, and here they are. They, they hear Peter's message and say, well, what do we do? They had no idea what to do. They recognized that something needed to happen. Something needed to happen. It says they were cut to the heart. What is that? That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's another one of the signs of a true revival is there is conviction of heart that people recognize, you know what? I'm not right with God. I have not been right with God and maybe I've never been right with God. And they recognize that and they're cut to the heart and they get to this place where they say, okay, now what do I do? What do I do from here, God? You know, know, conviction is another miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can convict the human heart. That, you know, you can, you can try to, you know, mess with people's conscience and, and, you know, make them feel, you know, something. But only God can cut the heart. Only God can break that hardness of heart that will bring this kind of change in people. And we're living in a time today when people have no desire for con- for that conviction of heart. They don't want that. They, they want, if they're coming to a place like this, they want to hear a message that makes them feel good about themselves. Conviction, if you're truly convicted, you're not feeling good about yourself. You're feeling, you have something wrong with me. And, and I need, and, and according to God, I need to change. And that's, in case you're wondering, that's a good thing when you do that, when you feel conviction. You know, Paul spoke about the time that we're living in today. Second Timothy 4, 3-4, through four, he said this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. You know, people today, they don't, they don't want the truth. The truth might make them feel something that they don't want to feel. And they would rather be Happy, happy in air quotes, feeling what they feel rather than feeling what God wants them to feel. And we talked about today that we ought ought to be feeling this idea of mourning over our sin. If we want to see revival, we must ask God to reveal our hearts to us. If I want to be revived, it must by saying, saying to God, God, if there is any sin in me, Anything that stands between me and you, stands between your, a moving of your Holy Spirit, show it to me that I might repent of it and be right with you. And we ought to be open every time we hear God's word, every time, you know, from when Randy reads a verse out of, you know, Psalms in the morning or, you know, there's, you know whoever's doing the offering and, and, you know, David quoting scripture or, or, or the, most of the songs we sing come right out of the scriptures those, every time God's word is expressed, we ought to be asking God to break our heart, to convict us of anything in us that's unclean, that's not right, so that we can experience revival. So we can experience new life that, that maybe we've been blocking through unbelief or ignorance or whatever else it might be. We must be willing to hear God's Word, we must be open to con- the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then we must be ready to respond. They asked, the, they asked Peter, what should we do? And Peter told them. Peter said, hey, you need to repent. You need to repent of your sins and get right with God. Speaking to these religious guys, <laughs> you need to repent of your religion and get right with God. <clears throat> And once they knew what to do, it says here in verses 40 and 41, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Speaking to you know, God believers, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. We need to be ready to say yes to God, whatever he says to us. Whatever he says say yes. You know, Somebody said, I don't know. I don't know, about, I don't know if I can write a blank check to God. Okay, you got, you've still got some work to do then. If you're not willing to write a blank check to God and say yes to God about absolutely anything and everything, he might send me to Indonesia. Maybe. He has. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but, you know, if you're not willing to go wherever God leads you to, then you're not ready for revival. You're not ready to be made alive in him the way that he wants to I believe God is going to bring revival again before Jesus comes back for his church I don't know when I don't know how I don't know where I don't know who but I know he's going to do it I know there will be revival I believe that either that he's just going to show up and take us all to be with him and that will be the greatest revival of human history the disciples gathered you know that's why we keep saying be here Come together, um, you know the who is um, Nate's mom? What's her name? Joyce. Joyce. She, you know, she was away for a while with family. She's back, and she says, you know, I'm glad to be back to see you in person because it's not the same. It's not mm-hmm. the same when yeah. when we're watching it online. It's it's different, and it's and that the difference is the Holy Spirit. There's something about when we gather together, the Holy Spirit falls in this place differently than he does when we're alone. And we can watch it online, but I mean, I, 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 th- I like to think I'm relatively spiritual. It's hard for me to watch the service. I watched, I watched last week's service online, and you know, it's just not the same. You know I, I missed being here with the body, because I know the Holy Spirit moves in a different way, and I'm, I'm taking too long, and Randy's going to hit me any minute. Disciples are gathered, but not just gathered. They were gathered in unity. That's so important. We have to be here for the same reason. We're here to be one with one another in Christ. That's really important. They didn't know what was going to happen. When they showed up at that gathering, they had no idea there was going to be a revival. And that's, just, that's also true about all true revivals. Nobody's sitting around planning for it. Let's plan the next move of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work like that. He doesn't, doesn't respond to our schedules. They simply believed. They simply believed, we're going to come, we're going to be one together, and, you know, again, they probably had no plan for this radical move of God to take place. God is looking for people who will believe, who will stand upon the simple Word of God, will just believe God, believe what His Word says, and who are willing to respond to His Spirit when the Spirit calls. That, that could be us. That could be all of us. The Holy Spirit, when we, when we allow Him, He will do radical things in us and through us. Whether He does a revival, again, that's up to Him. He will bring revival when He chooses. But we ought to prepare ourselves and be open to Him doing something. Not only open, we ought to be asking. Holy Spirit, bring revival. We desire revival in this place. I desire revival in my heart. I desire revival in my marriage, my family, my church, my community, my nation, my, this world I desire it, and I know you do too, so I'm asking God, bring revival to this place. So, that's how we ought to pray. Amen? Amen. 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 Pastor Randy.
1: As Pastor Rick was talking, a couple of things came to mind in addition, in, in addendum to what he was sharing, is that Revelation 7 tells us that an unbelievable revival will take place. In fact, it's going to be so uh, massive from the 144,000 that we've talked about in the past that um, uh, it'll be a great multitude that the number of people that give their life to the Lord can't even be counted. Um, So here's the thing. We'd rather be on this side and go up in the rapture than on that side and um, after the rapture and then take um, unbelievable opportunities for people dying because it's going to be massive once the uh, uh, rapture takes place of what's going to happen after that. But there will be revival that is unprecedented um, after that. The other part that, as Pastor Rick was talking, that hit me, um, is and I'm going to read this and, and uh, share it real quickly with you, but it's out of Philippians chapter one because I um, struggle sometimes with um, I'll be honest, pastors that are out there that I think are are teaching some heresy. But here's what the Apostle Paul um, said uh, to the Philippians. He said, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add afflictions to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. I share that because, you know, if we look at Asbury, if we look at, uh, um, quite honestly, um, this Movement um, has hit um, Texas A&M, Ohio State. It's hit some major universities where there's a flowing of um, of uh, worship and praise and uh, uh, movement. And we could sit back and say, "Oh gosh, is that real? Is it not?" Our prayer should be, "Lord, use that." And if only 10% of those people are saved, that's 10% of the people that got to hear about Christ that their internal destinies are changed. And if our heart is grieved over the things I'm about to share with you, and they should be, um, then something like that, we should be praying that the Holy Spirit would fall upon those people. And whether um, people are teaching out of um Selfish ambition or not, but Jesus Christ is preached. Paul said, I rejoice in that because somebody's going to be saved out of that. And I think we should be um, praising God that there is a movement that is pointing people to Jesus Christ. Okay.
0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. And sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and His Word. So send me your questions and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel, French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, stay in the Word and have a radical week with Jesus.